Okay, good morning and welcome back to Driving Theology. This is Mike and uh, today I am not on the way to work, but on the way to a camp with kids. following a bus here. Gotta get some of these noisemakers out here. Oh, they're coming this way. a podcast is it's going to be about a 40 or 50 minute trip and it keeps me um, focused uh, strangely enough on something and keeps me awake which is important so this summer camp is with uh, our business if you didn't know this I am a uh, my wife and I are small business owners, and we we run uh, what's called an Akaiwa, which is an English conversation school, uh, mostly for children, or at least that seems to be the clientele that we've been blessed with. Is, is, uh, not sure what percentage children, but it's it's um, it's a lot. Anyway, mostly mostly children. So we uh, we do a, a summer camp now for the second. This is only the second year in a row, I suppose. Uh, but we we do a summer camp uh, just for three days and two nights um, at a local campground uh, that has cabins, and so we kind of use available. Um, what do you call it, available uh, facilities that are in the area and kind of make a summer camp out of that. And so we were able to coordinate between a, a rafting place and uh, today we're going to a blueberry farm and then the campground itself for the various activities that we do. Um, and so we kind of, you know, Kind of like build a build a summer camp kind of thing. Um, and so that's what we're off to do right now. Just leaving. So today we're gonna go uh, pick blueberries with about we have 14 kids and about nine staff members. We'll go pick some blueberries and just mostly spend time and, and get to know the kids. Uh, that's, that's pretty much our goal. 
Um, just have a good time with the kids. It's not a Christian camp per se, uh, but everyone in the staff are, are believers, are Christians. Um, so our, our school, it's kind of an interesting business model. I'm not, wouldn't quite know how to, to explain it. We, we're not a Christian business, uh, as far as we don't really teach, we, we don't, we don't evangelize to our clients, uh, in any direct kind of way. And yet our staff, um, has been down through the years, probably 90%, uh, um, believers, Christians of some kind. And so we, uh, the reason the school was started, uh, well, it's a little bit complicated, but anyway, the, there were two missionary families that were working in a church that we attended for a long time, and, and they were seeing down the road how they would be leaving, but they wanted to leave something behind. They wanted a legacy. And so what they decided to do was create a school that would that would bring and provide for uh, missionaries. Uh, so the school the school um, basically becomes a uh, source of support for vocational uh, missionaries. Uh, a vocational missionary is a is a missionary in what they do, but they they don't earn uh, they don't gather support in the traditional way. Uh, but rather they work a normal job as a means to support themselves. So it's sort of a, we're sort of a tent making ministry that creates tent making opportunities. If that makes any sense. Um, anyway, so that's what we do. And, and the business we have chosen to do that through is, is our English uh, and English school. My wife and I are both, uh, teachers and uh, owners, directors of that school. And we've been doing that for, this is our 20th year, pretty much. Now, we had started our own school just a bit before uh, the missionaries started their school. But when they left, what they did was we merged it with ours and, and kind of took on their their mission um, to keep a steady stream of Christians in the area. And, you know, sometimes that works great. Sometimes it doesn't work all that great. But, uh, I mean, just like everything else in life, we try. And, uh, yeah, so that's, um, that's where we are and that's where we've been. So today is the beginning of summer camp. Uh, so something that's been going on uh, with me to, to transition to something more theological maybe um, sorry about the rattling. We've got hot plates and whatnot. I've got a car full of stuff that I'm taking to the summer camp. Guitars and food and baskets and frisbees and balls and water balloons. And just uh, almost looks like I'm going to the dump or maybe moving house. <laughs> yeah, got a little blue sky today. That's nice. So anyway, uh... 
Yesterday, somebody posted something on the internet on Facebook, and it was a a rather one of those kind of short, um, probably what he thought was a very reasonable understanding uh, kind of opinion, uh, but that of course rubbed a few people the wrong way. Uh, one of them was me, <laughs> and and uh, the other one was my good friend Pat, and that's because we're on a, a similar journey um, in our walk with Jesus. So the post, I think to most people, seemed innocent enough, and it said, be very cautious of any minister, ministries, was it? Be very cautious of any ministry or or I think it said religious guru who is not a part of regular church. Okay. Is not a part of regular church. Innocent enough, right? It came from this guy that, that runs a, a missions organization. Uh, and I've known some people and if I've met him before uh, and other people that he works with um, but it it rubbed me the wrong way because uh, first of all I'm I'm kind of one of those kinds of people I'm I'm a person who uh, no longer belongs to what I would call a regular church um, and yet I continue to to talk to people about Jesus and to to meet in community with other believers um, mainly people who are on a similar walk as me but not, not completely um, so I kind of wanted to talk through the reasons why I thought this was a an unfair and, and prejudice, pre prejudicial statement. Um, just start with the beginning of it. Be very cautious. To me, this this smacks of uh, fear mongering uh, a little bit. And actually, as I as I spoke to this guy, I we, we had a very lengthy conversation over three hours uh, public <laughs> on his page anyway. As I talked to him, he finally came to the, either he came to the realization or he accepted the fact, or, or he he just fessed up, I guess, that what he was really saying was not be very cautious, but reject. Because he, he said he, he rejects someone who is not part of regular church as, uh, because they are not a true follower of Jesus. And so anyone, he, he makes he makes regular church attendance the a a, a um, what do we call that? Mm, there's a word for it. Not not game changer. That's not what I'm trying to say. Uh, a deal breaker. A deal breaker. That's it. 
he makes regular church attendance a deal breaker uh, and he doesn't see how anybody uh, who is not a part of regular church can be a disciple of Jesus and so what he's saying is uh, if he were completely honest what he's saying is don't listen to anyone about religious matters who is not a part of regular church see Koichi now you're figuring out why Okay. So sorry, I'm now waiting for the guy that's following me. I'm supposed to be following the bus. Um, the guy following me has just gotten separated, but I think we'll be able to catch up to the bus, I hope. In fact, it seems like this happened last year as well. Uh, so, anyway, um, for him, actually, what he was saying was that that uh, disqualifies anybody from being able to be taken seriously as, uh, um, or be taken seriously, uh, and their opinions on anything spiritual. Um, so, yeah, so, first of all, his, his opening part, be very cautious to me, does smack of fear-mongering and, and, uh, and prejudice, actually. That's what it, that's what it sounds a lot like to me. Uh, and so the, uh, and then he says, uh, Ministry. So I suppose there are ministries out there, uh, organizations, uh, who do possibly good in the world or try to do good in the world who are not connected with regular church. Um, uh, and but he used the word guru, which is kind of interesting. I, I'm not sure exactly what that means. Um, or if it really has any any kind of of uh, real meaning. Um. All right. So the regular church part. First of all, what is regular church? Uh, and so I pressed him on this, and and I wanted to know what he meant by regular church. And. It comes down to regular church attendance for him. That's really what he uh, was talking about, regular church attendance. Um, which to me, uh, that that's an interesting place to, um, to come down to. Okay. Hoping this is gonna keep recording while I do this. Uh, I need to set. May need to set my navy at some point. So, sorry, I've just switched. There's gonna be some loud pops here. I'm trying to switch around my.
car. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, to me, uh, trying to find, to find regular churches, it's, it's pretty problematic, right? Because there are so many groups. I mean, tens of thousands, apparently, uh, of different uh, Christian groups out there who all have different ideas of what regular church is. Okay, and so what he's really saying is his idea of what regular church means. And for him, it really comes down to regular attendance with a, a group that meets on a regular basis. Uh, and so, yeah, anyway, it, it's, it's a, a problematic statement. Um, and so here's some of my, some of the things that I have a problem with. I, I think, first of all, this is just the kind of thing that the Pharisees would have been saying to, to their disciples about Jesus. This is exactly the kind of thing they would have said. They would have said, you know, do we know who his teacher was? Does he have any formal training? Uh, you know, he doesn't do things the way we do, so how can it be any good? Um, so, Jesus would have been rejected under those uh, criteria. Right? Jesus would not have been able to have any disciples uh, if he had to if he had to meet those criteria because you know one of the things I brought up is Jesus talks about you know foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head uh, Jesus was basically a transient homeless person who uh, or, or at the very least, a, a backpacking nomad uh, who, who traveled around uh, here and there uh, spreading his message, but did not belong to any specific uh, regular, especially weekly meeting church group. Now, as a, as a practicing Jew, it is possible uh, that he was... Uh, a regular in the synagogue, right? And that he possibly, again, faithfully uh, observed all of the, the feast days and the holy days uh, that the people of Israel obey, uh, observed. Uh, I think that Jesus probably followed the law for the most part, but we know that there are specific places where he broke the law. At least the way it was interpreted in the day. He broke the Sabbath. Many times, not just once, but many times, he broke the Sabbath. Um, now, what is the Sabbath? I've been talking about um, Sabbath in a different light, but I want to talk about the Jewish, the Jewish Sabbath. Because I think... The Jewish Sabbath is the precursor to our uh, Lord's Day. Uh, that's how I would. Um, that's how I would classify it. 
So what happened on the Sabbath, of course, what we know mostly is that people rested, right? People rested on the Sabbath. Uh, but it was always a t also a time of, of uh, at least in the home, a time of prayer and a time of reflection, uh, a time of remembering. Um, kind of like the Passover, which happened once a year, but it was a uh, kind of a mini Passover that, that seemed to happen uh, every uh, Friday night to Saturday night in the home for all Jewish people everywhere. Uh, the Sabbath was the weekly meeting of the people uh, um, the people of Israel but it generally it took place in the home because you know there was you, you couldn't travel during the Sabbath right the, the kind of traveling and so that became the obligatory thing you had to do every week to be a good Jew you had to observe the Sabbath right and in the law of Moses, that that you know, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, uh, is is you know, it's one of the it's one of the things that Jewish people observe. I would say the most religiously is the Sabbath, especially you know, practicing Jews. Obviously, is what I'm talking about. But to me, that's where uh, that's where things started to go off the rails for the church because what happened. The Jews simply adjusted Sabbath uh, into the Lord's Day. The Lord's Day, of course, we observe as Sunday because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And we have some idea that special things in the New Testament uh, often happened on those days. Um, and so it was quite easy to either elongate the Sabbath into a second day, you know, so today in America we have a two-day weekend, Saturday, Sunday, makes that very easy to appease both Jews and Christians, and, you know, each, each, uh, everybody gets two days off instead of just one, and so now we've made Sunday attendance a law just like the Sabbath. And so what what tends to happen in this case is when we when we put these criteria or qualifications on people, um, we start making a new law. We replace the old law with another law, just slightly different. We're, we're just we're still living under law, but we have adapted it or adjusted it uh, to fit our new theology. But unfortunately, we still have a theology of being being acceptable or, or being made clean by following the law. And to me, that's that's kind of what's happening with, with this guy's insistence that people need to be meeting on a regular basis or that they can't be taken seriously uh, as believers. Uh, so to me, that okay, that's that's my my first main point is that we're just you know trading one tyrant for another, but we're still living under tyranny. We're going from the law of Moses uh, to some kind of pseudo Christian law 
um, that's taking its place. Uh, second thing uh, is that out of all the things you could choose, all the reasons you could give to not listen or, or to, to be cautious, to be very, to be very cautious in his uh, language, of all the things you could choose to measure a person's Christ-likeness, you choose the one thing that really doesn't measure anything at all. So, what? Regular church attendance, that's the thing? Not, not what they're doing outside of church? You know, not, not that they are uh, feeding the, the hungry or, or uh, taking care of the sick, uh, visiting the in, imprisoned, giving aid to the foreigner. Not that they're talking to their uh, neighbors about Jesus. You know, at the very least, you know, maybe there's some doctrines that would, that would come up that would be more important than just church attendance. For example, uh, do they believe that Jesus is truly divine? That, that Jesus rose uh, in the flesh, uh, that he died for our sins? Uh, do they, you know, of all the things you could choose, um, you know, are, are they criminals? Do they, do they break the law even though they, you know, they go to their church and do their, do their, their worship days and their Sabbath and their uh, feast days? Uh, are they criminals? Are they cheating on their taxes? Are, you know, um, are they cheating on their husbands or wives? Um, of all the things you could say to be cautious about somebody, you choose the one thing that doesn't really say anything about anybody. And I know this because I've been that person. I've been the person that, that through obligation, uh, feeling like I had to do that to please God, I went to church every time the doors were open since the time I was born uh, into my 40s. Pretty much. I believed that to please God you had to be in that building every time the doors were open. And we're not talking about just uh, Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, VBSs and Wednesday night. Uh, you know, we're talking about, yeah, VBSs and gospel meetings and, and Christian camps and, and conferences and, and, you know, the whole nine yards. I was raised in that. I was steeped in that. Not to mention, uh, my parents worked in child care. Uh, we, we were, my parents were foster parents for many, many years. So I know all about how to live the religious life. I did that. But what I'm telling you is that there was no transformation in living the religious life. And I don't see much transformation happening in people who live a religious lifestyle. And what I mean by religion is that they 
do certain things on a regular or scheduled basis uh, and they believe to not do those things, they're wrong. There are a lot of people that can do that and who do that who are not showing any kind of Christ-likeness in the rest of their life. I know because I was one of them and I've seen them. I've been them and I've, I've seen them and I continue to see them. Churches are filled with people who follow religion but don't know Jesus. Now he seems to think that I have some kind of a hurt, that I've been offended by somebody, or, you know, that, that something happened, uh, that somebody, somebody was unkind to me, and that's why I decided to relieve, uh, relieve, to, to leave uh, organized religion, but that's not the case at all. I could have most happily stayed there my entire life. What I decided to do instead is to go out as a, as a pioneer or as an adventurer and to see if maybe there isn't a better way. Maybe there isn't something we're missing. Maybe the Christian life really is supposed to be as great as the promises make it sound like. And if that's the case, somebody's gonna have to step outside and test the waters. Somebody's going to have to go down that road and see if there's more life on the road uh, than there is at the dead end the church seems to be. Now, I'm not saying that life doesn't happen in church, that, that Christ's likeness isn't uh, represented. Just the contrary. I think there are a lot of great people in church. And when I say church, I mean, you know, churchianity, uh, church inc., uh, whatever you want to call it. Um, there are a lot of good people, and there are a lot of people who are close to Jesus, who are part of institutional church, excuse me, institutional church. But by golly, if, if they're not the minority. I'm pretty sure the mi they're the minority. They're not the majority. It's not the normal thing that happens in church. The normal thing that happens in church is that you have a lot of um, nominal Christians. They're, the way they live out their church life is through attendance. And they feel like as long as they attend, they have done their duty. Don't just tell me you think that's wrong. Prove to me that it's wrong. Don't even take the Christians that are living now. Let's take the Christians who have all passed away. You know, the, let's take true history. You, know, you can say that you don't know where the Christians are going now, but we can look at history and see where Christians have been and see the kind of decisions that, that Christians have made. Uh, decisions to... Uh, follow Christ and yet go to war, uh, decisions to believe in Jesus and yet believe that he justifies genocide, belief that he, he supports the, the grabbing of money and land, that's not hard to find. That's all the way down through the 
history of the church. So, yeah, I, I can't say that, you know, the majority of Christians who are in church today will probably find little or no transformation and will not grow closer to Jesus because uh, because they don't see a need to. That's just my experience. Now, he also seemed to think that I have a very narrow view and that I haven't, I haven't met a lot of good Christians. I would say just the opposite. I, you know, since being in Japan, a, a place that, uh, you know, I'm from, a, I'm, I'm, I'm from a small denomination anyway. Uh, I think its biggest share in the states is 6% of one state. I'm already from a small denomination, but in Japan, my denomination is even smaller than small. Uh, you know, maybe around 1%, and maybe the numbers are as, as high as 6%. It's kind of questionable of how many believers actually are in this country. But it's not a lot, no matter how you look at it. It's not a lot. Um, and so the kind of Christians I do bump bump into, people who come here as missionaries, I think are some of the best people I've ever met. Uh, for them to, to go into such a difficult mission field um, in a notoriously, a historically uh, hostile environment, you know, hostile to Christians, as Japan has been, uh, I think says something a lot about the character of the kind of missionaries that come here. I've met some great people. Of all denominations. I've met some real Jesus followers. The ironic thing is that they, they think that the, the shape of church in America, the, the, and mostly the megachurch mentality. And let's be honest, megachurches are probably putting out more missionaries than anybody else because they can afford it. Most megachurches have mega bank accounts. Um, some have mega debt. But they they have, even though churches are really small, they, they have this... Uh, big church mentality, this mega church mentality that for a church to be successful, it needs to be big. Uh, and I can, I can point to that tension as one of the reasons probably why I walked out of institutional church, the tension between a church that has a small family atmosphere that uh, has a good, good feel to it, but that it, it sees that as as not being good, that it wants to be big, it wants to be wants to be like its uh, you know American brother and brother or sister churches. It wants to. It feels like that it's not successful until it's it's big. Whereas I felt like it was probably just about the right size. I thought it was nice. I thought you know any bigger and, and we wouldn't be able to handle everybody as well. Now there's some other things I. You know, I tried to do and thought should happen down through the years. Um, 
that I disagreed with. But eventually, the reason I left was that I just felt like it, it, didn't, it didn't want to embrace its smallness. Uh, it wanted to, you know, to own a building and it wanted to, um, you know, pay salaries and, and all of these things that megachurches do and probably have to do to survive, uh, I just thought was not needed. It was not needed in, you know, a church of 15 or 20 people. Why do you need all that? What's the point? You know, so church becomes this place where we're guilted into not being a bigger church. We're guilted into not giving more money because we have to pay our bills. Uh, and we're nearly 100% of any money collected in church was going toward uh, the overhead. And so it was just this kind of toxic environment that wasn't living out any kind of, of kingdom mission. It wasn't feeding the hungry or, or uh, you know, doing, doing any of those things that the kingdom of God did. It wasn't healing the sick. Uh, pretty much what it was doing was trying to make sure that it existed for another generation. It was trying to solidify its place uh, and its heritage, right? It, it just wanted to survive. And to me, you know, that that's just a waste. Churches and the body of Christ exists for a much bigger reason than just be around for the next 100 years or 50 years or 25 years. It's not about trying to be around in 50 or 100 years. It's about what are we doing today to alleviate the suffering of the world and to let the image of, of God shine brightly in our community today? And the reality struck me that I didn't need to do that through institutional church, that I could be that and do that all the time without any kind of uh, logistical restrictions or or, uh, you know, trying to jump through certain doctrinal hoops. Um, or even the endless meetings that go about on how we're going to, to do this or how we're going to do that. No, I can just step out and do that. I can, I can be, I can imitate Jesus in the world right now. I can do that today. Uh, and the amount of freedom that came, especially in the very beginning, after having made that decision was just a huge relief. It was just a huge relief. Well, I'm passing over. Oh, well, wait, maybe this is not the knockout. Maybe this is the Coogee. This is the Coogee. It's got to be the Naka. We're passing over the Naka River that we're going to be rafting in in a couple days. God willing, the weather comes out. So anyway, um, this idea of, of somebody has to be a part of regular church, I think regular church uh, and the regularness of church is one of its greatest enemies. I think the routine of church um, becomes 
stifling. It stifles creativity. Uh, it stifles um, honesty, right? Uh, because we figure if somebody's coming to church, they're doing good. If somebody's coming to church and going to worship and giving their money, uh, they're all good. They should be fine. You know, no good, no news is good news. No reason to go deep with anybody who's coming to church because uh, the fact that they're coming to church shows that they are spiritually healthy. Anyway, um, I'm starting to get on a little bit of a high horse here. and I don't mean to. It's just... I see a trend in the church, and I'm not the only one. Everybody sees it. It's just some people are in denial about what they're seeing. But more and more people are walking out of the church because they're not finding authentic body life. And more and more churches are pointing the finger at those people as the problem. Well, they're leaving because of their sin, or they're leaving because they don't know Jesus, or they're leaving because of this and that. But there are all kinds of good reasons why people may leave. Um, obviously, I feel like the the reason I left is a good reason. I actually have that that belief. Um, you know, the other the other message this sends, you know, being a part of regular church, is you you can't be a part of church. You are the church or you're not. If you're only a part, you know, of the church part of the time, uh, then you're not a fully committed believer. And so one of the things I had to do to find real church, to find to find real body life, was to step outside of the institutional church and challenge myself to be church every single day, all the time. Uh, and that's that's what I try to do now. Um, and so, yeah, it's a it's a complicated thing. And I I know the guys well meeting. And I didn't mean to. I don't. I, don't, I didn't really. Re, I didn't re, react angrily, but I also didn't didn't let him off the hook for what he said. Um, and my challenge to him would be, number one, be honest about what you're feeling. If you believe that these people are not following Jesus and cannot be following Jesus because they're not uh, attending regular church, then say that. You know, just, just say it honestly. Say it the way you really think. And then, and then you know, we don't have to go through all this question and answer and discovering about what you truly feel. Just, just say what you truly feel from the beginning. Um, and now I know where I stand with him. He does not agree with with my choice to not be a part of regular church, uh, and that's fine. That's that's clarifying. It helps us uh, clarify our relationship. Should we meet again, we'll know what what kind of ground we stand on, um, and hopefully it gets him to thinking about his his narrow view of regular church. I think just the opposite of me needing to get a broader view, uh, I think he needs to get a broader view of what the 
body of church, the body of Christ is, and just where the body of Christ is, and in what shapes the body of Christ is taking around the world, shapes that are in institutions and shapes that are not in institutions, and trying to figure out how can we love each other, even though we are different parts of that body. Uh, to me, that's helpful. That would be something that would be. Um, huge benefit. Well, let's see how long are we running here. Yeah, I think I'm going to go ahead and cut this off. And I would love to hear your thoughts and ideas on this. Um, if you have something, we're getting close to our blueberry farm. We may be on the plateau now. Uh, so we'll uh, talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening, and sorry about all the, the rattling in the car. Hopefully it won't come out too much. These country roads aren't helping. But you guys have a uh, great day.